Working our way in, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew through what's called the Sermon on the Mount, looking at Jesus' core discipleship teachings. And this week we get to what is probably everyone's favorite topic. Everyone you know, really looks forward uh, to the Sermon on Divorce. Because uh, who doesn't love that, right? Before I get started, I think, I mean, before I get into the text and dealing with what I think Jesus is doing here, I think I need to begin with a word of apology and a word of repentance that I hope that we can all embrace together. This morning in class, I talked about how there are kind of two different ways of reading the Bible. There is Adam's way of reading the Bible, which is self-protective and, and, and seeks good for himself in the Scripture. And, you know, look, will often look at Scripture and see, you know, bad things and go, oh, that's God's fault. God did something bad. Look at how bad God is. And God's a threat and God is dangerous. But if maybe I can convince him that he should shoot Jesus instead of shooting me, then maybe I'll be all right. You know, and we would never, that's a distortion of it, but that's kind of one way of reading the Bible. And that way of reading the Bible will drive us towards a kind of, of attempt to bring about sacred obedience in a rebellious heart. And it really loves to draw rules and lines. It is that kind of read that the Judaism of Jesus' day was deeply entrenched in. The read of the Pharisees. We're reading the Bible going, well, you better. You ought to get it right. And then there's the read that Christ is teaching us to do with the Scriptures throughout this chapter, where He talks about a better reading of the law. That the law was not meant to make you an obedient person. The law was meant to make you a good person. That the purpose of the law was a good heart, not a good rule keeper. Because a good rule keeper can have a really wicked heart. Oh, they can keep that outside of the cup really, really clean. But inside it can be filthy. They can whitewash the tomb, but inside it's filled with dead men's bones. And have you ever been that? It's a miserable way to live. Have you ever encountered it? It's a miserable encounter with the other person. And folks, there are people who read Jesus just that way. What Jesus is critiquing in the Judaism of His day... And he's saying, don't read the Scriptures that way. And people turn around and do exactly the same thing with Jesus. And this one right here is one of the best examples. Because Jesus' read of the Bible is a lead to the heart of God. A lead to become more like God. Because, you know, God is person-rejecting. He hates people who sin. And He just really likes to beat up on them. Oh wait, that's Adam. It isn't God. But so often the church does, doesn't it? Let a failure be in your life and it's like blood in the water and the Christians are all fellow sharks or piranhas or something. And if you have this particular sin, this particular trouble is in your life, you've probably been savaged and I am sorry. Because the divorced person is so often treated so badly by church. In the name of being obedient to Christ, we become anything but. Look, what is the heart of the law according to the Christ? Is it not love of God and love of people? Isn't that what we're supposed to be? Why are we so mean 
to people who have a flaw in their life. And so many sanctimonious preachers who have never ever had to struggle with this in themselves or in their precious families can be so nasty to divorced people. And if you've been abused by church, I am sorry. We were wrong. We were wrong. The church ought to teach the fundamental truth of covenant faithfulness and that marriage ought to hold together and that life is better with intact family than it is with disintegrated family. And then even if you go through a time when you feel like you're, I'm not in love, you know, your culture will say, well, then get out, be happy. You get out, you might not be happy. You know, and it's amazing how often when people push through the hard time, five years after the hard time is done, they're so much more content. The church ought to teach that. But to people who have brokenness in their life, why is it that we treat this sin like we're supposed to beat up the sinner? It's not what I see in Jesus Christ Himself. Because Jesus has an encounter with a divorced person. Do you remember that at the well? When the divorced person showed up, and remember how nasty he was to her? Oh, he just blistered her. He tore her up and down, called her filth. No, he did not. He was so good to her that in some ways she becomes the first Christian missionary because she goes back, this divorced, useless person, to her village, and she announces the good news that she's met the Messiah. You know, she's the first one to ever do it. That's what Jesus sees in divorced persons. He sees people who can be useful and wonderful and blessings to others. If you've been treated badly because you have this failure in your life, especially if you've been treated by that way, by people who don't have any experience with it, I am sorry. Because I'll tell you, those of you who have no experience with it, well, people who have passed through it will tell you, this is wretchedly painful. Going through divorce is awful. And the last thing that the church ought to do is go up and kick a broken bone, right? I mean, a broken heart ought to be safe among us. Wounded people ought to be loved and lifted up and blessed, not treated like they're useless and worthless. So if you have been, I'm sorry. Understand that people are trying to do their best and... And if you're a divorced person who's been treated like you were a pariah, love the people who did that to you. Your best life is always found in love. It always is. That doesn't mean what they did is okay. Love them anyway. Love them anyway. But what is Jesus doing here in this text? Because I think all of us who are sitting here want to obey, right? You came because you love the Christ and you want to be obedient to the Christ and He appears to be holding up a pretty, a pretty firm doctrine, right? And what He says about it, He says, you know, you've heard that it was said that anyone who would divorce his wife must give her a certificate of divorce and send her away. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife except on the grounds of marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress and anyone who marries a woman so divorced commits adultery. Those are pretty harsh words. Well, I mean, they are when Adam reads it. A broken reading of Christ will make a broken response to divorced people. 
I think in order for us to understand what Jesus is doing, we actually have to pay attention to what Jesus is doing. First of all, he's continuing a conversation that we had last week. Last week when we got together, we looked at marriage. And his teaching about divorce is not like some new teaching. He's still talking about the adultery law. What Jesus is doing here is he's setting in front of us an understanding of the law of Moses, saying, this is going to be my kingdom. And my kingdom is built on laws, like all kingdoms are. All kingdoms are built on laws. Laws shape what we think is real. They shape what we think of personhood. It shapes what we think of ethics. And so here Jesus, as He's giving us discipleship teachings, how to be in My kingdom, how to be one of My people, He's commenting on the law of Moses. And so as He talked, and we looked last week at what He does with the, you know, it's in the Ten Commandments, the foundation of, of, of Judaism, He's going to say, Look, that law wasn't just meant to change your behaviors so that you wouldn't behave sexually inappropriately. It was meant to change your heart. As he continues into divorce, he's still talking about the adultery law. And what he's going to do is he's going to take something that was regulated by Moses and help us to understand its true nature, which is a wretchedly painful reality. But at the same time, he's going to call us into being wonderful persons in a wretched and broken world. The wonderful person, the shocking personhood into which Christ Jesus is going to call us in this absolute darkest of places is amazingly beautiful. But let's first start out with what Jesus is doing. So, what Jesus, and when he says, You've heard that it was said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce and send her away. What is he talking about? Well, that's a law in Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 24, there is this law, and it says this, your summary of it, that if a man finds something unacceptable in his wife, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, and he sends her away, and then another man marries her, and he also finds something objectionable, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and sends her away, the first man cannot remarry that woman, because that would defile the land. Okay, There's your law. Now what? That's the law where it ever talks about divorce in the entire law of Moses. Just that. It's like a case study law. What on earth is that about? Well, look at the behavior. Remember, you know, we live in a very egalitarian world. Men and women are both of value. You know, women matter a lot in our society. You know? But not so in, in the realm of, that Moses is entering. In the ancient world, the greater strength of men meant the greater importance of men over women. In the ancient world, not just in Judaism, I'm talking across the world, women were oppressed by nature of their greater weakness. Fallen human beings oppress that which is weaker than themselves. It's what we do. And so, of course, women were irrelevant. And what you've got going on in the ancient world and that Judaism is tempted to emulate is that women were treated like cows, property, things to be handed about. So one man can have her for a while, get rid of her, another man can pick her up, and then get rid of her and the first man can take her back. And what's going on with her? Is she being treated like a person? Is she being treated like she matters? No, she's being passed around. Her personhood is being utterly and completely distorted and denied by that behavior. And so the law about divorce is really a law about the personhood of women. 
saying you cannot do this. Because by distorting and destroying personhood in half the species, you are destroying and distorting personhood in all of us. Making us less than what we are meant to be. And again, those of you who have experience with divorce, doesn't it hurt that way? Doesn't it feel that fundamental and bad? It is such a huge breaking of hearts. And God is saying, don't do this. This is not how I made you to be. And generally speaking, I have encountered divorce you know, a lot in my job. I've sat with people who are passing through it. I have seen the tears of it. And I've seen the wounds that it causes and the depths of that pain. I've seen people who have been divorced for years, mistreated and horrified, and it still hurts to this day. In fact, I suspect there are people who are going through some discomfort right now in this sermon because that's how bad this thing hurts. And I've watched people go through it. I've never gone into it going, wow, that's easy. Well, it's simple. Here, do this. It never has easy solutions. One of the things that almost always is characteristic of it is that it is a mixture of a desperation to get out of pain and a a terrible thing where I can't possibly change this. I can't change it about them. I can't change it about me. And there's just this, this wretchedness. And it becomes certain that the best way is to get out. Now... For those of you who got out, may God bless and keep you. May God heal you from all your wounds. May God save and rescue, redeem and restore you entirely in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because Jesus can do that. He can make you entirely whole, even if you don't think He can. Even if you are in a situation that is not okay, in Christ Jesus, you can be okay. For those of you who are not out, but are in horrible circumstances, and this looks attractive, I mean, sometimes it's, it really is. The, the relationship dies, and it's the only way out. But the call of Christ is always try to work this thing out. Try to work it out. But what is Christ doing here when He says that anyone who, who uh, divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness commits adultery. He's commenting on that law in Moses. And he's saying, you know what you guys did with it, you Pharisees and really you humans, what you did with the will of God is you, you took this law and you said, this law that's meant to restrict bad human behavior. It's meant to say, don't pass women around. And you made it permissive or even encouraging of bad human behavior. Give her a certificate of divorce and get rid of her. If you're not satisfied, says so in the law, you can do that. And Jesus is going to go, no, 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 no. That was not the intent of the law. The intent of the law was to get you to care about the woman that you're mistreating. And listen to what he does. This is the most shocking thing. Anyone who divorces his wife causes her to commit adultery. So what? That's what your average divorcing husband would say in those circumstances. Why do I care? I don't care about her anymore. I've gotten into such a bad place with her. She makes me so miserable and so angry 
and so sad. And I feel terrible about myself when I'm with her. Why would I care if she becomes an adulteress? Good on her. I want to get rid of her. I want, if, if I can hurt her, I can make her a sinner. Excellent. Let's do this thing. Where's the lawyer? Have you ever met anybody there? And this is what the disruption of divorce does to us. You know, a bad, unhealthy marriage encourages all kinds of things in us that are not of Christ. They just aren't. All kinds of weaknesses and brokennesses in us. Listen to what Jesus is calling. He's calling to the person who's considering divorce. So they're in a bad place. And he's saying, care about your spouse. That's the thing that ought to make you stop. Care about your spouse. I don't care about her. Yeah, but you should. That is a call to a kind of personhood, a kind of selflessness that most of us can't even hear. Come and be the person who cares about your enemy, even if your enemy is wearing a ring that you put on her finger. Care about her. Care about him. Make sure that that person matters and that that person's soul matters and so that, such that the appeal of Christ to you could be, if you do this, you'll hurt them and you'll go, oh no, oh, I don't want that. And not only that, but once she's gone from you and no longer your responsibility, you've caused somebody else who remarries her. Remember, that's what the law's about, the remarrying and the moving around. He's saying someone who marries that woman they're also in a bad place now. You know, they've also got complication and complexity and sorrow and pain in their life that they wouldn't have had if you hadn't been involved. You should be the kind of person who goes, I can't let that be. I don't want other people hurting because of me. Better I should hurt than I should cause other people to engage in things that put them in bad places. Do you see that that's what he's saying? He's calling you to be the kind of person, the kind of disciple who cares about other people's souls all the time, even when they treat you badly. That's what he's really doing here. He's not making a rule that Adam should pick up and abuse other people with. He's setting in front of you a kind of heart and a kind of ethics and a kind of, of life and love that loves everybody so that the appeal, if you do that to your enemy, you will cause them to have trouble. Don't do that. That would resonate with you. What kind of society would we be if everyone had that kind of heart? We'd be a society reigned over by this king. Because that's who He is. Because He cares about everybody through and through. Even the people who murdered Him. Remember what He did while they were killing Him? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He would not have them be sinners. And so He's going to be concerned about their hearts no matter what they do, no matter how they treated Him. And that's what He's calling us to do in our homes, in our lives, in society, in our workplaces, everywhere we go that we act in love first and foremost in everything that we do, even when it's hard. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is never harder or more complicated than it is in a failing marriage. 
And I want to end as I began. If you are in a marriage that failed, I'm sorry. And if you are abused by the church because of your marriage failure, I'm even more sorry. You should not be treated that way. That is not the call of Christ. The call of Christ is to love even you, just like He loves even me. Because don't any of us deserve it. And that when we come into the call of Christ, then I can love even me and you and all of us because this is what, and I can take seriously the needs of your soul over mine and trust you to do the same because that's what Jesus inspires. That's the kind of person he generates a person that loves even their enemies, no matter who they are, and no matter how they treat them, and no matter what they do to them. You can love, you can forgive. Because of Christ, and it's the only way to do it. It's the only way. We have to take all of our wounds and bring them to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm hurt. I'm devastated. I'm I'm dying here. Help me. And Jesus pushes His death into ours, and then we are pulled up in His resurrection. And we find ourselves capable of things that we never thought we could possibly do. But it's only Jesus who can do it. Only Jesus can make you a person who could love even the spouse you want to kill. Jesus is the only one who can do it. It's His call. Let me be your king. Let me reign over you and give you this kind of heart. How are we with this? Are we a church that loves even people with failure, or are we a church that's going to attack? Because I've heard the stories of attack. I want to hear the stories of love, don't you? I want to be a part of a group that loves and welcomes even people who have a mess in their life. Because guess what? We all have a mess in our life. We all do. And it isn't great to be in a place where Jesus forgives and welcomes and loves even someone like you and me. How are we doing with this? If you have brokenness in your life that you want the church to help heal, and you need the care and the love of the church to help you care and love, then let us know we want to pray for you. And if you're not following Christ Jesus yet, there is no better day than today than to to start. Jesus is a wonderful man. He's a wonderful teacher. And not only that, He's Almighty God and can help you to live according to His teachings. So if you want Christianity, Christ wants you. And we'd love to see you walk together with us as we follow the Lord. It may be that you came into this place and there's something going on in your life. It has nothing to do with your marriage or your home or something, but, it, but you want the prayers of the saints. Well, let us know. We're a praying church. We want to pray for you. If this morning you're subject to the invitation of God, there's room right here. Why don't you come while we stand up and sing?